Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and today we'll be looking at some insights and practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga and how we apply them in our modern world today, a philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity, and it and it refers to bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously abide in our essential spiritual nature. It's knowing what we are and then living in harmony with that highest truth. You know, yoga is not just um, for self-discovery and self-improvement. Um, it is a path and a practice that connects us to all of life. And so today's um, topic is mentoring. And we're going to be looking at how yoga can make a profound difference um, when caring adults um, bring it into the life of a young person. And we're joined by um, special guest Marilyn Fitton, founder and program director of the Art of Yoga Project, um, who's using um, a model of yoga to turn around the lives of at-risk teen girls and help them prepare for a positive future. Mary Lynn Fitton is the founder and program director of the Art of Yoga Project, which is a nonprofit organization offering a yoga and creative arts curriculum for at-risk teen girls in the California juvenile justice system. 
as part of their rehabilitation. Mary Lynn has been a registered nurse for over 25 years and a certified yoga teacher since 1998. She's a founding member of the Yoga Service Council, and her work has been featured in several publications, including Yoga Journal and the International Journal of Yoga Therapy. Her website is theartofyogaproject.org. Welcome, Mary Lynn. I'm so happy you're here this morning. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. And before we start our conversation about yoga and mentoring, let's begin with a moment of meditation. Yoga is a way that we come to recognize the infinite nature of our essential being, unbounded, infinite, divine consciousness. That being is within us, around us, and through us. So in this moment... Simply feel that you are diving within into that infinite ocean of divine consciousness, into the allness of the divine presence that is within you. Breathing out, let go of any tension or stress. Breathing in, connect with your unchanging spiritual nature. Always peaceful always awake, always aware, whole and complete. And as you breathe out, see if you can bring just a little smile to your lips. It just relaxes the body a bit. And it is in its own way a mudra, a sign, a seal. So let this tiny smile be a sign of remembrance. That you remember that within you, within everyone, is this essential divine nature that is unmoving and unchanging, untouched by any circumstances. As we touch this divine nature within, there is a peace that pervades our hearts and our minds. And let us inwardly now bring forth that peace and let it overflow as blessings for all that we meet today. Paramansa Yogananda said, demonstrate compassion. While you are learning to swim in the sea of life, you can help others learn to swim. In the opening of today's program, I, I mentioned that it's helpful to understand that yoga is not a quote-unquote self-improvement program. <laughs> really, it is a true self-discovery program. And as we discover 
our essential nature, then we realize that we are connected to everyone and everything and that our awakening then can be supportive of others. We've been talking over the past weeks about leadership, and today we want to focus in on mentoring and how yoga can um, be supportive of being a mentor, having a relationship with someone um, who can help foster our own potential as we serve as a support. Through the centuries, of course, yoga has been based on a type of mentoring program. Traditionally, it has been offered one-to-one, guru-to-disciple, teacher-to-student, and focused on personal development and spiritual realization. And um, today, we're seeing these ancient forms of yoga applied to many new settings. And so today, I'm delighted to... Um, to be welcoming you, Mary Lynn, to um, tell us about the Art of Yoga project and how yoga and mentoring uh, come together. So let's start there. Just tell us a bit about the Art of Yoga project and what it is. Thank you. Um, the Art of Yoga project is a nonprofit, and we serve over 500 teen girls every year in the juvenile justice system. So these are at-risk, incarcerated, and exploited girls, girls who've been sexually trafficked. And we go directly to where they are, into detention, therapeutic treatment, and rehabilitative sites. We, we now have 13 in three local counties. And we bring a yoga and creative arts curriculum to help them break free from these cycles of violence and victimization in which they are caught. And, and we're, our hope is to guide them instead into empowerment, well-being, and joyful, productive lives of, of meaning. Mm. And so you are a practitioner of yoga yourself, and um, you know this is an inspired way to bring yoga into the lives of young people um, who really need it, and um, where it can you know truly completely turn their lives um, around. So tell us a little bit about how the work draws from the yoga tradition. You know, how do you make that arc from this ancient practice um, to, you know, right there on the ground, you know, girls at risk um, who are troubled, you know, whose minds are likely not clear. um, And uh, as you say, who have, you know, really experienced a very hard life. So how do you, how do you bring yoga to them? And, um, well, what does you know? What does it require? Hmm. Well, I I would say for the to answer the first part of your question that our work draws from the yoga tradition in the in in that the teacher must regard the student or the girls with total acceptance. So that concept of soham, that I am that perspective, not putting themselves above the student, but rather walking aside them. And for so many of these girls to have just one person saying, I am here for you, you matter to me. So it, that draws from the yoga tradition. But the the one-on-one work is also really straight from the research and follows best practices in working with teen girls in the juvenile justice system in terms of providing a gender responsive program. And what that means is that we have to consider that girls are relational and that the girls that we work with are what we call relationally sensitive. So what I mean by that is they have very complicated backgrounds of trauma and 
those who should have been protecting them or and those who may be saying have said I love you were often abusing them and mistreating them so their concept of human relationship and potential is very distorted and we absolutely have to earn their trust so our teachers and mentors need special training to understand that trauma and really how to hold and this is essential that attitude of unconditional positive regard and we love Rachel Remen who I'm sure you know mm-hmm. and her work who she shows us how to serve versus fix and help, which mm-hmm. the latter kind of reply, implies an inequality mm-hmm. and how to not be judgmental, which creates that distance and disconnection, but instead to move toward connection and unity. And that's where the yoga part comes from. Well, it, it really does. And I'm so glad that you um, brought in Rachel Remen's work about, you know, the uh, most useful approach to serving, um, because it's right in alignment with yoga. I mean, even in our own um, practice, if we think we're going to fix ourselves, um, then we're missing the point of yoga. Um, And so, you know, it starts right where we are with understanding um, that yoga is about unfolding, um, revealing the essential uh, divine nature, which is the same in every one. And, and I would think that, um, you know, that, that would be such a powerful healing balm for these girls um, to have, just to be in the presence of those mentors who see them, you know, not as broken, Mm-hmm. Um, but as whole. And, um, you know, that's the radical root of yoga. You know, that's where we start. And I, I can see how, um, you know, that would be just such a, a powerful um, paradigm shift, you know, for these girls. And so, you know, how do the, how do the mentors work with them? How do they, how do they mentor? How do they teach these girls um, using the yoga model? Well, um, how do they use the yoga model? So, um, again, we're teaching them in the classroom. So there's teachers that in our different 13 sites, we go in and teach classes that combine yoga and creative arts and meditation and writing. And we go in in a group of women making a circle of supportive elders and women peers um, and then we also transition in our aftercare programs into mentoring one-on-one with the girls. So that could mean um, ultimately taking them to yoga classes and then also supporting them in their creative expression because that's a, an important component of our, of our work. But sometimes it's really just what is needed, and that can be anything from taking them for medical attention to getting them into recovery for addiction issues, Um it's really what is needed and responding to that in every moment. Mm-hmm. So you, you set up this um, one-on-one mentoring relationship that provides um, that positive uh, regard and then ongoing support, you know, somebody to walk with them. 
Um, and then it, it sounds like sort of woven into that is also some basic uh, yoga practices, a hatha yoga um, and swadaya in a sense of study. I, I don't know that you're studying traditional texts, but um, certainly are. you are studying. So what, so uh, like what would be an example? Eight limbs of yoga. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, of course you do. And teach them about yamas and niyamas. And so study and, um, and you're teaching them, you know, how to self reflect. Um, and, and then of course, how to, how to meditate. So, um, you know, what is the difference that you have seen in the lives of these girls, you know, to have this teaching, this unconditional positive regard, and then to have this support um, from a mentor? Um, what have you seen in the lives of the girls um, who are participating in this program? It's really exciting because I know that having what we've seen is that having a tr- one trusted and trustworthy adult in their lives makes such a positive impact. And I have to tell you, we're very excited because we're about to publish in the International Association of Yoga Therapy Journal a case study by our researchers from San Jose State Justice Studies Department. They followed six pairs of mentors and mentees. And so what they found was that the girls were began to view themselves in a more positive way. And that is a huge leap. Um, they have better relationships with their peers, with their families, which is often very loaded, um, and with their probation officers and judges, which is critical in terms of moving forward in their lives and being accountable. And then finally, choosing more positive behaviors versus some of their self-harming behaviors. Mm. That's that's huge project. That's huge progress. Yeah. Uh, that's a big change, a big change. And it really can just sort of give us a glimpse of, you know, how uh, lives can can really be put on a whole new trajectory. You know, those of us who practice um, yoga, you know, I think we all experience its healing power and potential in our own lives, in our own way. You know, whether it is, um, you know, the clearing up of our minds uh, and emotion in, in a way that helps us have better communication skills, healing with our family, um, you know, um, better um, changing habits, you know, that were not useful for us. So, you know, people who practice yoga do have a sense of how we begin to be able to change our um, sense of, of who we are, what we are, and then how that can lead into changing our um, behavior in positive ways. And it's really inspiring to hear about, you know, how this thing that we know then can be applied and brought to people who are in a very difficult situation. So um, we're going to go to the break in just a minute. But before we do, tell us, um, you know, we've been talking about the girls, but what about the mentors? So, you know, what has been the effect in the lives of the mentors? Very profound and life-changing for sure, like you just alluded to. Personally, I'll speak from my own experience. I've mentored three girls over the years, um, formally and, you know, others informally. And honestly, the experience has brought me to my knees. Um, It's such a reality check to know firsthand, to really see the insurmountable challenges challenges that they have, that the girls have. 
and it's a real shift from teaching in a classroom to then having that one-on-one experience that's so much more intimate to where you get, you really get a handle on um, what they're up against, whether it's just, you know, not having any place to go or live, um, the financial challenges, and then of course, all of the trauma that they have to deal with in their past. Um, but it's so inspiring to see them triumph. And they, I, anybody who knows me have heard me say that they are heroic to me with all they've fa- faced and accomplished. Um, and it's just been incredibly fulfilling. You learn a lot about yourself too. And mm-hmm. like we said before, what you can't control, um, how you have to just come to that reality that it's up to them. Mm-hmm. And that like Rachel Remen, I'm going to go back to something she says that service is an experience of mystery, surrender, and awe. And that's what it's been like for me, for Mm -hmm. sure. That's a beautiful, um, beautiful, beautiful thought. Mystery, surrender, and awe. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with guest Marilyn Fitton. Um, Her website is theartofyogaproject.org. When we come back from the break, we're going to take a look at the tools of yoga and how they work in the mentoring process. We'll be right back with you. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous love offerings of listeners like you. If you feel spiritually fed by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. I'm Dr. Tom Shepard, host of Let's Talk About It on Unity Online Radio. In my studies of world religions, I've repeatedly encountered two central spiritual questions. How do we make sense of life, and how do we live it more successfully? You're invited to explore these two questions with me in my new book, The Many Faces of Prayer, How the Human Family Meets Its Spiritual Needs. You'll be amazed at the remarkable ways people have learned to pray to their gods and to celebrate life individually and as communities of faith. Learn more at unitybooks.org. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. 
I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Mary Lynn Fitton from the Art of Yoga Project. We've been talking about leadership, yoga, and mentoring. Yoga offers many tools to help people of all ages develop self-mastery and become more effective leaders. Um, so, Mary Lynn, let's look at some of the other aspects of yoga in this segment in addition to that one-on-one relationship of mentoring uh, um, some of the tools that facilitate personal and spiritual growth. In the Art of Yoga project, your um, stated desired outcomes um, for these at-risk girls are um, that they will have greater self-awareness, um, greater self-respect, and self-control. And those three things are really at the very core of yoga for all of us, greater self-awareness, self-respect, and self-mastery or self-control. Um, so how do you see yoga um, helping the girls in these three areas? Well, um I think you can probably imagine that the yoga and the meditation brings the quiet that the girls so need that they've never really experienced in their chaotic environments for them to then really examine their thoughts, which lead to the subsequent behaviors. And we specifically focus on self-awareness in terms of what is their inner dialogue? How do they see themselves? How do they see their bodies and the artwork that goes along with that is similar. We have them do self-portraiture, for example. Um, In terms of self-respect, when a girl shows up on that mat consistently, when she does not feel like doing it um, and she works through her resistances or she does postures that she challenges herself with or gets up and reads a, a poem that she's written and speaks her voice, she begins to respect herself. Um, and then finally with breath and pranayama and for our girls creative expression and the yoga practice, I think they really learn how to, to self-regulate. I know that they do because we have statistical significance in these outcomes, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they, they take, learn to take that important pause before they're reacting, taking that space. And that's critical for the, for these girls who are often, um, more reactive mm-hmm. because of their history. And, and so and when, so I, when listen I listen to you, to you describe this, it, it really, um, you know, sounds to me um, just the same, just the same as yoga <laughs> is for anyone, you know, but what, but what you're doing is making um, these tools available in a very supportive and concentrated way um, for girls who would likely not have this kind of access um, otherwise. Um, I'm, I'm interested to know um, what happens, you know, um, how they respond to the eight limbs of yoga. We, we talked in the first segment a little bit about you know, the components of yoga that you're offering, asana and swadaya, you know, with study. Um, and they're looking at yamas and niyamas and the whole step-by-step approach of yoga. Um, and in particular, how do you work with them on yamas and niyamas? And what, what happens for them when they approach that? Well, um, it's step-by-step, but it's also very experiential. And when you create an experience for people, you can sort of have them 
learn it without them knowing that it's a step-by-step process. So we, we come in and combine yoga and meditation and pranayama and a creative expression and writing and journaling. And we're all in a circle and it's very, we use a lot of ritual to make it safe and sacred and, and really special for the girls. Um, and in terms of the step-by-step process, yes, we follow the eight limbs and we, um, we have a really an entire winter section, which is about the yamas and the niyamas, since you asked about that in particular. And really those to us are all about accountability. We're trying to have the girls and ourselves concurrently to become accountable to ourselves and to others and to our communities. And we want them to reflect and look at how for example, with Estea, how are they stealing from themselves instead of obvious ways that they may have stolen in the past? Or how are they maybe not being true to their real selves when you're looking at Satcha? And we actually study these separately, really deeply through personal journal writing, um, sometimes songwriting, collective poetry. Um, and we also try to make it interesting and engaging. So we have this, in terms of the tree, we have this felt board tree that we we layer on each week so that they can see the tree building. Um, but with the yamas and the niyamas, that can be kind of dry. It can be sort of Ten Commandments-ish. Um, <laughs> and so we try to um, make it fun. They might, um, we have a slogan contest for them and the girls write their own slogans for a hymn that might be stop the violence, increase the peace or for a paragraha, don't be greedy, feed the needy. And they come up with all mm-hmm. kinds of really cool stuff. Um, and then for brahmacharya, which is has so many different interpretations, what we do is we have the girls write their own personal sexual ethics. What do mm-hmm. they want for themselves so that then they have this intention set? So in the next instance where they need to make decisions about their sexual behavior, they have already checked in with themselves about what they want and their intentions. Mm-hmm. So that's just a little sense of some of the work we do. That is so rich. I think I'm going to bring some of that into my class on the opposite <laughs> I just I love listening to you know how you can bring this creative energy in that you know it uses another part of the brain and um, you know helps people um, get in touch with it. I think uh, as we you have mentioned, coloring sheets. They, they this artist did these beautiful drawings of the yamas and the niyamas with the great font and and the girls actually color and and sort of reflect on the concepts but you know sitting down with crayons or color pencils is so therapeutic and also connecting when just in silence sitting together in circle and working like that what kind of um insight if you if you could think of um something that you've seen over time um you know, I mean, this is a different model. Uh, yoga does give us this model of um, self-mastery. And, you know, the yamas and niyamas are um, universal principles. And they teach us about how to live in a way that our lives are going to be positive for ourselves and for others. So this is very different than, you know, the rule book is, you know, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that because if you do, you're bad or wrong. And so this is a very different paradigm that you're sharing with these girls. And um, so I'm curious if you um, can think about um, telling us about how, um, y- you know, a girl has responded, you know, what what is the kind of a typical response to 
the the light coming on around yamas and niyamas? Well, um, just thinking of an example, I can think of one girl. We we do. I can't remember which yama or niyama we were studying at the time, but we were working on forgiveness. And the girls wrote what are called epistolary poems, and those are in the form of a letter. And she was, I don't know why this makes me emotional, but she had this aha moment um, when she was writing this letter of forgiveness to her mother. And she realized even though her father had been the one in the family that was abusive, she had anger for her mother and she really needed to resolve that. And so those kinds of moments where a girl can get up and read and, and really get a handle on, um, what's been holding her back Mm. in her lives. And, and I have, there's so many others where the girls really understand, start to understand, um, their own behavior and what they've been doing because in, again, in making that supportive circle where they, they can be from, different gangs where they're only in the same room during our program because of tensions that come up and they can see, they look across the other from each other and they may be really at odds with each other in the community. But in that room, there's that recognition, that light that goes on that, Oh, I feel that same way or I have that Mm -hmm. same insecurity. And really that's what yoga is all about is that, um, that connection and realizing we are all one. And that is, I think, one of the primary goals that we're, you know, they need to know they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that deep recognition of connection to all, you know, really our our core divinity and our shared humanity. And, um, and the empowerment, I think, you know, the empowerment of realizing um, how um, things get, you know, stuck in our own hearts and minds and how powerful it is when we learn, you know, through these principles that we can actually change our lives, you know, by changing our minds, you know, by being able to forgive if that is needed, by by being able to connect to how, you know, anger has been holding us back, you know, all these things that you're, you're mentioning. And if I'm understanding it right, you're actually giving these classes um in juvenile hall is that is yes. that right mm-hmm. and um so that must be interesting to be in that setting um with- definitely there's a lot <laughs> of challenges for sure um i think one thing that we are really committed to is knowing that the facility the individuals in the facility are not just gatekeepers that keep us either let us in or out, they are also part of the healing and that they're always, we have probation officers practicing yoga with us and it's a process with each individual and to create, we try to create that one-on-one relationship so that they feel welcome in the circle and so that we can offer the girls ultimately that shared language. So the rest of their day, they're hearing the same kinds of um, messages. Mm -hmm. So Versus just seeing the juvenile system as something we have to, like an obstacle or something we have to work through. We, we really ha- hope for the most positive collaboration. And we've really earned that respect and have become part of the clinical team, um, you know, sitting at meetings with 
the being on leadership teams with the judges and the probation officers and the mental health team. And it's very exciting. And of course, we learn so much from them as well. Mm. And they ask for our for our insights, because we see so much in these circles. So when every day we first ask them what's going on with the girls, who shouldn't be next to each other, mm-hmm. who heard terrible news, you know, what someone got their meds switched, we get all that information. And then at the end of the class, we'll go back to the, um, the counselors or probation officers that are um, on site guards, whatever you'd like to call them. Um, and we tell them what we've seen happen in the room. So there's that important exchange of dialogue where we're all holding the girls in the best positive regard. That is really powerful. Think about bringing every, everyone together mm-hmm. um, so that, um, you know, it's such a beautiful, I'm thinking of the Sanskrit prayer um, you probably know the Sahana Vavatu, Sahana Punaktu, Sahaviryam Karvavahai, Tejasvinavaditamastu, Ma Vitvishavahai, you know, which is, um, you know, we acknowledging the divine, and then there's the line in the prayer that says, you know, let us bring our energy together and grow strong. And that's what I was feeling and hearing as you described, um, you know, just creating uh, connections all the way, all the way possible, everywhere where the connection can be connected so that everyone um, can bring their energy together and uh, we can all grow strong. Um so I'm, you know, I'm so inspired by the work that you're doing, and it's such a beautiful application of yoga. Um, we haven't talked too much about asana, and I'm imagining that it is really an important part of the program as well. Um, are you able to do asana with the girls in these in this setting? Oh, absolutely, I think it's crucial. I mean, getting them to have that mindful movement to regulate the nervous system. Um, it helps them to manage their extremes of their behavior. Some of them are range from being in hypervigilance to real dissociation um, in the moment and then to, to actually heal their traumas over time. You know, the latest research is showing that these modalities are working in that regard. Um, so we do the girls and they become so proud of what they're able to do, um, in the asana practice and to just have everybody breathing and moving in circle, as you can imagine, is really powerful. And having the girls take leadership as well and lead circle is very special. Um, and you know, it's just, it's like seeing, um, in action, that process of how yoga, those layers drop down. Mm-hmm. Those layers start to fall away and they get to the best parts of themselves. And I think I will venture to say that the girls have more and more complex layers. They've been conditioned to see themselves as innately bad, which is heartbreaking. And they have been given labels of troubled or victim or delinquent. And it's so important. To, that we see them as whole and unbroken and beautiful and perfect beings so we can reflect them back reflect that back to them and then they see that in themselves and then give them all these opportunities through the curriculum to through art and yoga to shine and see their own divine and that's really what yoga is about you know in the model of yoga for all of us you know first 
we hear the message, you know, we hear the teaching, we, we hear um, about our divine nature. <laughs> and then the practices are given so that we can connect what we have heard with what we experience. And um, that is the key, of course, to self realization and uh, how beautiful that you're bringing this key into um, the juvenile justice system this really is the key to freedom um, for us all and um, for these girls who have a whole um, beautiful life ahead of them you're listening uh, to the yoga hour and special guest today is Mary Lynn Fitton from the Art of Yoga Project and um, you can find out more about their work at theartofyogaproject.org. Um, we'll be right back with you in just a moment. In jest, there is truth. Shakespeare made the line famous. And at Holy Rascals, we've taken it to heart. Join us at HolyRascals.com, a spiritual education resource and community of spiritual boundary crossers who are on a truth-seeking journey that doesn't shy away from humor and frank conversations. HolyRascals.com offers cutting-edge webinars, short online videos, and podcasts. Our featured teachers are inclusive, radical, and often funny people who embrace the common heart of all religions. Find us on Facebook or check out our upcoming programs at www.holyrascals.com. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien and my guest today is Mary Lynn Fitton from the Art of Yoga Project. We've been talking about... Um, Applying yoga uh, in a modern setting of mentoring at-risk girls as part of our um, series on yoga and leadership. So in this last segment, let, let's look a little more at um, leadership itself. Um, 
through your experience with your work, um, Mary Lynn, how do you define leadership? How do you see it? Thank you. I think leadership is really being of service to others in what they most need and working together with others toward a common goal of meaning and purpose, um, helping others to reach their potential to be at their best and remove obstacles like resolve conflict versus create or perpetuate conflict. That's a good example of what happens in organizations that you, the leader is really the one who's keeping us aligned and on track with our purpose. Yeah. That's a beautiful description. And, you know, I, I have found that, um, you know, being in the role of leader um, at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment over the years has um, forced me to grow. It's forced me to grow and forced me to stay the course, you know, of my own practice because you can't um, lead others, you know, unless you're doing the work yourself. And um, it it changes us um, to be in that role. You know, how has it changed you? Profoundly. Um, I feel like I kind of grew up along with the organization. So it's been a maturation process for me to face my fears and lead in a mature and responsible way. Um, And I definitely come back to my practice to always be checking in with myself um, in terms of what is my best and highest purpose in this work, even day to day, where should I pull back and let others lead um, or let others learn for the sustainability of the organization over time? Um, So just moment to moment, even when to speak in a meeting and when to let others, that's my big one. I got to be quiet more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's, it's especially challenging. I think when you are a founder of an organization and you are the vision holder and of course people look (laughs) <laughs> People look to you for that, um, but I think you know one of the essential um, areas of um, strong leadership is actually mentoring that we've been talking about is um, supporting others in coming to their own fullness because you know any organization that simply has you know one leader um, that organization is is not going to be sustained over time. Um, so in a way, you know, as leaders, um, our, our role is to, to always be, um, supporting others in a sense to take our place. You know, we have that model definitely happening. When we started this work, we did the, the whole complete fall, winter, spring, summer curriculum in one County. And those teachers that were with me for that year then went and became site directors in to other counties. And that's how we started to begin our leadership team. And from there, we realized we really want to serve the girls in what's called aftercare. So when they leave the detention system, they have that support that they need. So then we have aftercare directors and all of these um, women have really stepped up and become leaders. And it's been incredible to watch them grow in that way. Um, I'm so inspired by my leadership staff. Absolutely. And how do you, um, how do you find people? Um, how can I say this? Um, willing 
to lead, you know, willing to come into that? How do you support that leap into leadership? Um, because, you know, I find that, um, you know, many will come into service mm-hmm. and it's, there's a, a willingness to hold accountability and responsibility that's necessary for leadership. So how do you see and how do you support that particular leap as you're mentoring new leaders? I think that just like for myself, these particular individuals know that it is what is needed at that time, that they are the experts, that they know that particular site and they know all the individuals and it's a natural step that they are the absolute best person to do that. And then they need to say yes and open to the things they need to learn in order to do it well. So it's a deeply personal calling for them that they know they're the person. They're, it, it happens very naturally. Um, we almost never have to really put out a call for who's going to step up. It's, it's very much part of the system. Someone's then already working with someone else and learning what they do. Um, so but that's not to say that they don't have fear and, um, you know, many of them don't like public speaking like myself. And so we all talk about how we need to work with that and um, grow in that area. And because we have to talk about our work and do a lot of presentations, you have to explain in these institutional settings what we're doing and the value of our work. Well, any leader has to be able to explain, you know, really, you have to be able to explain what your work is. And beyond that, um, I think most importantly, you, we have to be able to share the vision of uh, of the work, you know, why we do what we do and, um, y- you know, why it's so important and what makes it possible. Um because, you know, so much of what we do as, as leaders is um, bringing people in um, to, to be a part of that vision. And um, so having to articulate it is, is key. Um, a, apart from your work with Art of um, Yoga Project, um, you're also one of the founders of the Yoga Service Council and um, this group that is about being to service to others and um, service in the world as being integral to the path of yoga, uh, karma yoga in particular. So um, just tell us briefly, um, because I think this is new for many of our listeners probably, you know, listening to how yoga is being applied in so many different settings mm-hmm. um, with so many different um, populations and different situations. Um, so, you know, what are some of the other populations or situations where you see um, the skills of yoga being used um, to to lift up um, people in difficult situations? It's really an exciting time because, as you know, the science is catching up with the service, just proving that mindfulness heals and regulates the nervous system, reduces stress and improves health. And so... All of these organizations um, that are so inspiring, whether they're working with incarcerated youth like we are or the homeless, um, survivors of domestic and or sexual violence, uh, school-based programs, um, yoga for eating disorders, uh, yoga for veterans, um, and then you have yoga studios that um, offer donation-based classes. That's 
really important as well in terms of serving folks who might not be able to afford to come to yoga. All that is very important. Um, so, well, how do you how do you view the future of yoga service, um, including um, how you're using it as a model for mentoring youth? What do you see? What is becoming possible? Well, I love that the Yoga Service Council has this annual conference at the Omega Institute. This year, it's May 16th to 18th. And the the goal is really to develop this community of professional support to share stories and best practices and improve our capacity to serve and improve access to classes. Um, I think that's really special because each of these, each of the organizations have gone through their own um, process of asking all these questions. How do you raise money? How do you work through obstacles? And so to be able to help each other and to mentor new organizations, that's the goal of the yoga service council. Um, In terms of the future, One thing that I want to bring up is this sense that what we touched on earlier, that oftentimes it's individuals going into underserved communities that are not really our own communities, um, working with the underserved. And so it's very, very important that we have a model of cultural humility. And ultimately, we'd like we it's important to train um, folks from their own communities to go back in and work with those communities. And we want our, we're teaching our girls to become yoga teachers someday as well. But this, in the meantime, this process of cultural humility, um, and that's a term from the work of Dr. Melanie Turvalon. And what it does is it, it really goes beyond cultural sensitivity, cultural awareness, and even the term cultural competence, which kind of implies an endpoint. And humility is really this ongoing personal lifelong commitment to deep self-inquiry about this culture, um, self-evaluation and critique and acknowledging that there's this inherent power imbalance that exists as we go into these settings and that we have to absolutely have to internalize the view that the one we are serving is the expert in their life. And we need to humbly and respectfully ask questions like, what is it like for you? Instead of just making assumptions regarding race and ethnicity and gender and sexual identity. And what a beautiful vision. And it, and it sounds um, so much like, um, like, um, Ahimsa to me, like the yes. fulfillment yes. of Ahimsa um, as as compassion. Thank you so much, Mary Lynn, for uh, joining us today on the Yoga Hour. It's really been a pleasure talking with you about the Art of Yoga Project. I want to remind um, our listeners um, that you can get more information about this work at theartofyogaproject.org. Uh, join us next week as we continue our series on spiritual leadership um, with the program Eight Success Principles for Fulfilled Living, for fulfilling all of life's purposes. Um, and uh, my guest today, that day will be Roy Eugene Davis, uh, my guru, and uh, he is the direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda, founder and spiritual director of Center for Spiritual Awareness, located in Northeast Georgia. For information about programs and events at CSE, visit CSE Center. 
yogahour.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour at iTunes. I'll look forward to being with you next week. Until then, remember, let your inner light shine into the world and share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. The world is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find Inspiration only takes a moment. Consider these inspirational thoughts from the Quest for Prayer from Unity House Books. Holding a special, loving thought for other people benefits us as much as it benefits them. In fact, in some ways, even more so. Consider, for example, what happens when you wash your car with a hose. What gets clean first? The inside of the hose, of course because the water must rush through the hose before it can clean the car. So it is when we hold loving thoughts for someone. As those loving thoughts rush through us, they bless us first. It is a win-win situation. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
spirituality into your own hands? Bucking corporate religion in favor of finding your own path? Do you cross the boundary between religion and science? Or between religions themselves? Do you like a dose of humor with your truth-seeking? If you answered yes, you're what we call a holy rascal. Join Rabbi Rami Shapiro for How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Central. Rami and his guests will engage in lively, humorous discussions about what it means to be a spiritual human being in the 21st century. How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m., only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 